Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Amen. This Wednesday, we'll not have a Bible study as such. We'd like to start with prayer. We'd like to start with a time of prayer. For all that's happening in Australia, or happening in the Middle East, and all that's happening here in the UK. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you have been pushed aside from the life of our nations. Lord, we have tried to live a life without you. We have been happy to grab the life that comes from you. We have been happy, Lord, to grab the strength, the health that comes from you, the things that we enjoy, to grab with both hands that come from you. And like spoiled children, we weren't ready to acknowledge the maker of joy, the giver of life. We try to avoid suffering, Lord, and yet it seems that this is the best tool you're still using to make even a hard, hard atheist to seek after you. Lord, you still call us to repentance. And Lord, if alas, Lord, it seems that the church reflects the life in the church, the gratitude in the church, our love for you in the church reflects what's happening in the world. How will the world know how to give gratitude and thanks to you if your church is failing to do that? So Lord, I pray that we are the ones to be revived, to be awaked. We are the ones who are sleeping, although we have been brought to life with Christ. The call for revival is to us. We need to, Lord, to be revived because we have been already revived by your spirit. So, Lord, I pray for our own hearts this year to bring times refreshing in Dumfries, to bring times of refreshing in Scotland, to bring times of refreshing here in our church. For those whose love have grown cold, pray, Lord, come and touch them with your Holy Spirit. Pray for Jamie at this time. The circumstances that he's found in, as Gas has already mentioned. Please, Lord, come and revive his heart. And here we pray for Peter, Lord, that he will learn some of the lessons that sin stings, that sin destroys, and there is nothing else to do with sin except to cut it off. For the grace of God has appeared and brought salvation to all men and teaches us to say no to cut it off, to break it off with all ungodliness. So, Lord, here we are to come and to draw near to you and to repent before you and to ask for times of refreshing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Very interesting. Uh, I, I had it prepared to preach for you, No Fear, in 2020, to carry on with this theme. Um, 
So we'll see how far the Lord and what the Holy Spirit wants to tell us in the next few minutes. We have different verses in the Bible that uh, major on this aspect of no fear, don't fear. The first one, it's in uh, Timothy that says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. And that's what Christians are. So why should I be afraid? We looked last time, last time in Psalm 27. What man can do to me? The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. Why should I be afraid? And then he says, do not be afraid. For God has come in this way to test you. And so that you fear him will keep him. Your fear of him will keep you from sinning. He says to Moses and to his people. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Though mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not be afraid, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. For I hold you by your hand, I the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid, I'm here to help you. Don't be afraid, I have ransomed you, I've called you by name, you are mine. Don't be afraid, for I'm with you, I will gather you and your children from east and west. Do not be afraid of people's scorn, nor fear their insults. says then in Luke, Jesus says, Even the hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. All these are promises that God gives us, and they don't sound better than at the beginning of New Year, because the year is unknown to us. Now, what does it, this mean? Don't be afraid. A big deal is made by this biblical affirmation. But what do we understand by it? Usually we take these verses as fear, don't fear for your finances. Don't fear for your health. Don't fear for your future. Don't fear for the effect of the politics. And they are truth to one extent, yet they only do with our, they only deal with our own small world. It's something that's about me, me, me. The emphasis is upon man. It's like I come to God with all the desires of my heart and give him a blank check so that he will just fill it in. And there's no fear. And just live with no fear. The Bible never uses this way, no fear. That's why I read all these verses for you. I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. I didn't save the right file, so they are not on the on the PowerPoint today. But when you go through them, it's something very important to see about them. The no fear God has in mind, that fear that is related with the consequence of our living and fulfilling a task that he has called us to do. So whenever God calls you and gives you a task, a call, there is a risk there. There is a potential of danger. And in that context, God tells you, don't be afraid. 
it's always not fear from God or don't fear that the God gives us. It's only after God has asked us to do that something to fulfill for him. If you want no fear is to do with anything you might have to face because of God's call and task that he has given to you. So, go back. Joshua was told not to fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. The famous quote from the Bible. After he has been entrusted to enter the promised land that was filled with Nephilim, with the giants. It's not just a no fear for any reason. Don't fear for this specific reason. Yeah, I'm calling you to lead this nation to the promised land. And you will have wars there. So don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Gedeon was told to not be afraid before he was sent to conquer with a small army. Say, don't be afraid because the strength is not in you. The strength is in me who sends you to fight. Moses was told the same not to fear when he feared for his own abilities to talk and to lead the people. Remember that he was a stammerer. He was a babbler. He couldn't talk properly. David was being told by God not to fear as he was facing a whole mount on Goliath that was mocking his God. Daniel was called not to be afraid and his three friends as they were facing Daniel, in Daniel's case, the lion's den, and as they were the friends of Daniel, as they were facing the blazing fiery furnace because they were threatened to bow down before the king and to worship the king, the statue of the king. Paul and Peter stood strong and they never bow down in fear as their executioners sharpened their blades to cut their heads. Timothy was urged to have no fear as the crowds demanded more inspirational, positive, ear-scratching messages, not enduring anymore the sound doctrine that was demanded by a dying apostle Paul. Remember, read Timothy, and you see, that's the context in which Paul says, Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Because he was very timid and concerned that people demanded something that they would like to hear, not the sound doctrine. And Paul says, do not be afraid because you have to give the sound doctrine. No fear. When I affirm this, no fear, my mind goes to the homeless Christians and their families in Middle East, to our timid lives, afraid to stand for what we believe as Christians, afraid to stand for the oppressed, for those that are murdered in the womb before they could grasp their first breath to cry at all, for the families that are left childless by institutions, we claim easily no fear, yet we are afraid to deal with our own sin in our own lives and with the sin in society. We are afraid to take a stand for what's happening in society. It's almost like we are not anymore the church of Christ and we use excuses. We let God, he will divide the, the, the tears from the the weight from the tears. So we don't need to worry about that. And we don't realize that we use this as an excuse to cover our own cowardice. When is the last time when you weren't afraid as a Christian with the risk of your life to stand 
for what you believe, with your friends, with your neighbors, and even on Facebook. We claim no fear, and yet we don't, we are afraid to stand for God's honor, to lose our lives for God in denying ourselves and in taking up our cross. Jesus called us to have no fear. Why? Because he gave us a new spirit, a spirit that has no fear and says, act according with the spirit that I've given you. When Paul spoke of having a spirit that is not a spirit of fear, it was first to the believers in Rome. And remember what was about the believers in Rome. They were right near where the persecution will start. They were the people that Paul says, don't fear because you're a, God has not given you a spirit of fear because he knew later on he will add up in the context and that's why it's important to preach verse by verse, to preach the whole counsel of God, not just take 10 verses out of it because it tells them you are taken as sheep to the slaughter. They were taken as sheep to the slaughter because of their faith in Jesus and second coming and then Paul used again the same expression in Timothy chapter 2 saying to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear because he knew that I will pass on to Timothy the baton to this young disciple and I want him to make him aware of what awaits him. And that's why don't be afraid to suffer for the gospel of Christ for which I myself am suffering. Because the fear for Timothy was not to suffer, to take it easy. And that's the spirit of sonship. When the Holy Spirit is in you, he knows that you are going to face hardship. Because you have light and darkness can't suffer. The light will always react to the light. So there are few things about this fear. No fear to come to God, first of all. That's what means not fear. Have no fear in 2020. Don't be afraid to come near God. We are afraid to come to become Christians because we have to confront our own sins. But Jesus says, if you really want to be safe in your body and in your soul, in your spirits, you don't have to be afraid to come to me for the cost that you have to pay. You have to cut off sin from your life. It's like cutting off your arm if it makes you to sin. Pluck out your eye, if it's gouge out your eye if it leads you to sin. No fear to come to God because if you come to God, this God will forgive you and give you a new identity. It will give you a new family. It will make you a child of God. So it's nothing to be afraid to lose the shackles of sin in your life. Second, no fear in the sense of having no fear of man. Don't be afraid to face opposition, persecution for following Jesus. Don't be afraid to obey and follow him. Don't be afraid that you will face opposition for your faith because you are going to be more than conqueror to the one who loves you. And the one who lives you is stronger than the one that is in the world. Then third is, don't be afraid in the sense of, don't be afraid of getting involved with other people's sufferings. There are lots of people suffering, so I don't want to get near, they will rub on me. But God has called us to be helpers for these people, to get near them because the sick need the doctor, the sinners need righteousness. This is the greatest privilege of being like Jesus, getting near to the people that the world and the society despises. Then no fear in the sense of don't be afraid of being a follower of Jesus. Don't be afraid of being a disciple. Don't be afraid to lose your life, to deny yourself and to follow his call. Don't be afraid to take a yoke, the yoke of Jesus upon you because the burden is light. 
and then can mean no fear, don't be afraid of death. Because with Jesus, if Jesus is in you, the life eternal is in you, and you're not afraid to die because Jesus in you is the resurrection and the life. And then, lastly, but not the last, don't be afraid of trials. Heard the song. There are many things that I wish God has promised in there, but he hasn't promised everything. Hasn't given me a blank check just to fill it in, but he says, I promise that in your weaknesses, in your trials, my grace is sufficient to you. And I have to count on this. And I'm not afraid. I'm afraid when I'm looking at the unknown. But when I'm looking at the grace of God, I don't have reasons to be afraid. Life with God is not a guarantee against trials, but it's a guarantee to keep you a victorious person through the trials. That's why David said when he was running, as we've seen last time, as he was running away from Saul, what can man do to me? Man can do a lot, but he will not have the last word on you. Satan can do a lot, but will not have the last say on you and me. It's God if you are his child. Because you are God's property and you are owned and sealed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was honest with us and said, in this world, you will have troubles. But, and you know, I want you to get this one, the word but. Whatever is said before the word, before the word but, you know it can be canceled. Because what comes after, when you say but, so and blah, 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 but you know something better is to come. So, for example, you say you're, you're met by your boss, and your boss comes to you, and uh, he says, I know that you are a very hard, good worker here, and you have cheese so much, and you're encouraged. And then he comes, but... And when he says, but, you know, wow, it doesn't matter what's being said before because it counts very much what says after that. But we have to cut from the jobs and we have to cut your job. So it just doesn't matter what was said before because all it's in your mind is not the praise that you got. It's what was the last statement. That affects your life because you're going to be without job, never mind your achievements. But when you come to God... It's totally different. God changes things. God first is honest and he gives us the bad news. In Romans, he gives us the bad news. We are all under God's judgment. But the grace of God has appeared and gives salvation to all men. And doesn't matter what happened before the bar because counts what happens after bar. So that's what is happening here. Jesus says, in this world you have troubles and that's the bad news. But Something better is but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So for you, it doesn't matter what happened in the past year. For you, it doesn't matter what happened till this very second. It matters what the word of God says because it changes everything. And you will see this happening over and over in Paul's epistle. He says, we are hard pressed, but not destroyed. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are knocked down, but not destroyed. This is what counts, what God, and if you only remember that, remember from this sermon, God has a but for everything. For everything in your life, God can have a turnaround if we trust in him, and that's why we should not fear. 
That's why Paul says, in this world you will be hard-pressed from every side, as I said, but no crash, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, perplexed, shocked, but not in despair. In this world you will be given over to death for Jesus' sake, but his life will be at work in you. In this world, our brothers, our Davids, our Peters, our Pauls, and our Johns, they do endure, as Paul said, trials, beatings, sleepless nights, hunger, riots, dishonor, bad report, regarded as imposters, condemned to die in the arena, made a spectacle to the whole universe, brutally, brutally treated, homeless, seen as the scum of the earth and the garbage of the world, suffered from hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, and sword for God's sake, being considered as sheep to the slaughter. But something cancelled everything that was said so far. They are more than conquerors, says Paul, through the one who loved them, and that's Jesus Christ. As long as I'm coming from a country where Christians had to pay with jail, loss of job and houses, I, can I cannot give you false hopes for this new year that all it will be well, that there will be no troubles, that there will be no sickness and death. But, there is a but, and count on this. I can assure you based on the word of God that you will be kept well. Today and tomorrow our brothers and are and will still endure for God's sake. Like the 11 Christians just after Christmas on 26th of December in Nigeria, 11 of them were beheaded by the Islamic State. Another two were killed during the worship at the church the other Sunday in Texas. As long as we have somebody like Al in Morocco, who's on the chase all the time to move from house to house for fear of persecution, and as long as we have our brothers in Middle East, there will still be parents that will not bow here in this country their knees to sacrificing their children to the idol of morality. There will still be ministers and servants of God that will remain brave and will not go with the flow, though they will be threatened with their freedom. There might be employees that will lose their jobs for not disregarding the sanctity of marriage and the dignity of life in an unborn. These are the no fears that we have to take for us. And some of them will not love their lives even to the point of death. Yet, but, you know, and despite all this, the promise is that we should not fear because we are the ones that will overcome through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of our testimony. A few weeks ago, there was a guy, invalid, he was in a wheelchair. And he dared to go up in the public near the clinic abortion. And he said a prayer. And the police in London came and to grabbed him and arrested him. And after that, he was released because it was proven that he hasn't done something that was against the law. And that's what he said. A man with no fear who understood what means no fear. He said that. Reflecting back, I guess, really, I hadn't had enough of the... Reflecting back, I guess, really, I had enough of the silent church. So in my imperfect way, I try to be the church I want to see. A church that is there in the darkest moments. A church that will not be silent. 
a church that will stand in your way if it has to, a church that will fight for the most vulnerable, not with weapons of war, but with God's word and with prayer, a church that will suffer, a church that will be misunderstood and maligned in the pursuit of truth, and a church that is willing to break evil laws in pursuit of good ones, a church whose daily worship saves lives. That day I prayed over and over, Lord, wake up the church. I only hope that my story is part of the answer. That's what says Christian Hacking, the man who dared to stand there and silently pray in public. They are the ones that have dwelled in God's presence. These are the ones that have gazed to his beauty, that nothing, absolutely nothing could have detracted them, lured them out from serving him. And when you see your the Lord as your light, your salvation in your stronghold, you know what? You become invincible. An army, says David, that may come against me, a war that may break against me. I will not be afraid because God has given me his promises because God has a but for me. God has a yet for me. Though it will happen all this, God upholds me with his righteous hand. We have the promise in Hebrews chapter 11 says, those who seek to come close to God must believe that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. If you say that you come near to God, you have to believe. You know how you believe? You don't believe just by saying that you believe. You believe when you count. Another word for believing in God and to have no fear in 2020 is by trusting the Lord with all your heart. I said it a while ago, but the best illustration comes from David Paulson when he says, what means to believe? And said, do you believe in me? And everybody in the congregation says, yes. And then he looked to a lady and said, do you believe in me enough to trust me with your money? And said, everybody had a big gasp because that woman was the richest in the church, in the congregation, and was a big silence there. It's one thing to say you believe in God as long as all things go well with you. It's another thing to say I believe that I trust you with everything I have and I hold. If you say that you really believe in God, you give your life, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, say my future belongs to you, whatever it might take. And then you will fear of that fear of a lion, the lion of Judah that is in you, that lives in you. Even when the cup is too big for you, you'll have the resurrected power in you that will enable you to drink what needs to be drunk for the sake of God. And you know, the law, the society, the man cannot handle that kind of person because you're invincible to the power of the resurrection. So whoever comes to God must believe that he is, trust him, and that he rewards, and he will reward you for that, those who seek him. And I close with this poem that maybe you've heard it. I asked God for strength, and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked God for wisdom, and God gave me problems to solve. I asked for prosperity, and God gave me brown embrace to work. I asked for courage, and God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for patience, and God placed me in situations where I was forced to wait. I asked for love, and God gave me troubled people to help. I asked for favors, 
and God gave me opportunities, I received nothing I wanted. I received everything I needed. My prayers have all been answered. And I trust you in the hands of this God, the God of Paul, Peter, David, Jesus Christ himself. Paul said, I know in whom I believed, and I know that he's able to guard that watch I entrusted to him until that day. And then to the elders of the church in Ephesus, he says, now I entrust you in the word of the living God that can keep you. So I come to trust myself on the first Sunday of the week, of the, of the year, and I come to trust you into the living God and to trust together into these hands and to live with no fear. Dear Lord, thank you for your promises. They are, they are the same today for us to be proven as true. But Lord, sometimes you allow suffering because otherwise how can be proven your light? And you allow the darkness to come. You allow us your salvation by, you give us your salvation by allowing things that are coming to oppress us so that we will see the salvation and others around us can see the salvation and the testimony of how we've been saved. And you promise to be our stronghold when you allow all these tempest things to come and billows against us to prove that our faith in you is strong as the granite as the rock of ages, because Jesus lives in us as our rock. So, Lord, I pray that you will visit everybody who feels vulnerable at this time of the year. I pray, Lord, that you will visit Jamie, and what has been planted in him, Lord, will come to life in him, and he will know that the one who's in him is stronger than the one who's in the world. I pray the same, Lord, that it will work in everyone's life. And I pray, Lord, that all these setbacks will be used as a greater testimony of what the hand of the Lord can accomplish in us. Lord, I don't know the fears of everybody in this place, but in one way or another, we have, all have our own concerns. It might be health-wise, might be spiritual-wise, it might be financial-wise, might be faith-wise. Lord, I pray that we all know as we entrust our lives in you, as we entrust our unknown future to you, everything that we have and we are, that you can keep us to the uttermost, that we are faithful even when we are not faithful, when we are faithless. And Lord, here we are to say that we will not deny you. Here we are to say that we don't have where else to go. You have the words of eternal life. And by your grace, we shall be more than conquerors. And by your grace, we shall not fear whatever may man do against us. So Lord, here we are and trust ourselves and this nation Lord, we continue in prayer. Please bind us together for what is ahead. To the blood of Jesus and to the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.